the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, we're joined by Mercedes Lilienthal from Crankshaft Culture to talk about driving the new Ineos Grenadier. Her career as an automotive journalist and her unique collection of Mitsubishis. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the spiral bevel to Stephen's hypoid gear. I'm the howling differential of podcasting. Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, we've got a big show uh, today, so we're going to get through the news uh, real quick. Uh, So I don't know if you've noticed, but Prince Philip seems to have like there's like a warehouse of his Land Rovers somewhere and they keep auctioning those things off. The gentleman has long since passed, of course, a huge, huge fan of the mark. And apparently his custom-built, individually specified Land Rover Defender 110 is uh, going up for auction, expected about 70,000 pounds for that car. It is a, uh, I think it's a late 20-ish, you know, 26, 15, 16. uh, So it's from the end of the run. So already a a fairly sought-after car. Um, and having been owned by and uh, having caressed the bottom of the uh, late Prince. That's your favorite uh, part, isn't it? Well, that is my favorite part. I just want to see. They're they're marketing these vehicles like sneakers. They just (laughs) drop them every, like, few months, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, going to sign up online. They they auction them off. Yeah, the Air Prince Philip edition uh, of the, (laughs) uh, yeah, no, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, if it was uh, even remotely importable anytime soon, might be in the market for a Prince Philip. I, like I've said before, I had the opportunity to buy the Range Rover that they picked up Michelle and Barack Obama in. God damn it, you know? And Prince Philip drove that one and he didn't turn it onto its side. One of two. I don't know if this one has been rolled by Prince Philip or not. I mean, the chances are, knowing that Prince Philip uh, owned it, uh, it, it likely has been rolled. Uh, maybe only once, though. It looked, it looked okay. You know? I can't really say anything. I've rolled two Land Rovers. Yeah, I mean, you're not doing it right if you're not rolling one every once in a while. Yeah. Speaking of uh, rolling over a Land Rover, uh, one that is more likely to be rolled than regular, Land Rover uh, looks to be producing a SVX, Special Vehicles X version, which is traditionally uh, known to be more off-roady, has been spied in some close-up photos. I looked at the close-up photos and like, I don't know. I don't know that it's really all that different. It looks like it has more skid panels underneath. It's angrier. Yeah, it's angrier. It does. It it's looks angrier. like a little upset. Yeah, like somebody punched it in the face and now it just wants to oh, yeah. it just wants to rage, you know? I don't know. Kind of got a lifted, it, little bit lifted suspension. It's a little hard to tell some of the body details with the cladding yeah. and, and obscurements that they have uh, fitted to it. But uh, I wonder if it'll yeah, be it able cool. to take a, yeah, a, take a, like a bigger, more aggressive tire maybe or uh, something. I mean, uh, they were speculating that it was going to have a different tire, uh, possibly a, a Goodyear source tire on it uh, when it came out and tire. Yeah, maybe it's related tires. to the, the, you know, the bowler uh, improvements that we were talking about the other day. I don't know. Can't wait. I can't yeah. wait, man. Again, I just want one. So I just can't have it. They won't let me have it. I don't know. Anyways, life's well, about disappointments. Speaking of things that we can't yet have, but one day, one day relatively soon, we 
we'll be able to have here in North America, the Enios Grenadier. We're going to talk a lot about this today. Yeah, from the Harry Potter actor and all-around good guy, Sir James Radcliffe, the uh, Enios, not a defender, uh, Grenadier. And uh, we have an expert, certainly what we would consider uh, as close to an expert that will even venture to come near this show. Has driven um, them on two non-consecutive occasions. That's exactly right. Our good friend Mercedes Rebel and journalist and photographer and Instagrammer and just all around a wonderful person. Her and her husband Andy are, you know, probably the country's uh, leading Mitsubishi Pajero collectors as well. We'll probably have to find some uh, time for that. But we have Mercedes joining us to talk about her experience with the Ineos Grenadier. So let's shred a, you know, a sharper image world band clock and uh, throw it into the old interview machine and get Mercedes in here. All right. Well, we're joined by our good friend, Mercedes, who is at the very least an award-winning journalist, an amazing photographer. And of course, you specialize in the world of automobiles and the automobile press. But more importantly, uh, you collect uh, weird vintage uh, Mitsubishi cars, which we'll get to in a little bit. I think for me, that's the, the headline. Uh, everything else is, uh, is just great uh, at this point. So welcome, Mercedes. We appreciate you coming on the show to talk about Ike's uh, favorite car, the Enios Grenadier. Thanks for having me. So you have, you know, had an incredible uh, career. You've got, you know, just look at your Instagram to see all of the crazy things that you've uh, done over in just in just the couple pages of scrolling and only the couple last couple months is absolutely incredible but maybe for for those uh, of our audience what are some of the highlights i guess of how you ended up in this world of automotive journalism gosh that's a loaded question <laughs> there's a lot there um in a nutshell um i came into this industry in a very um twisty curvy back roads way via a near 20-year uh, commercial interior designer project management yeah. career so I went to college. Um, my parents immigrated from Germany, so I'm actually dual mm -hmm. citizen, German-American, mm -hmm. um, first mm -hmm. generation here. Um, my sister and family still live over there, and my mother still lives in Wisconsin. I live in Oregon. So uh, I went to school for a fine arts degree and spent almost 20 years in that facet. Um, and mm -hmm. basically, that was my world. And in 2018, I basically said I need a change. I want to do different things. And my husband at the time, uh, Andy, who's also an automotive journalist in his off hours, mm -hmm. Uh, he's been working in the off-road industry and aftermarket industry since 2006, but he was uh, an editor um, and writer since 2000 when he graduated college. And and um, I, long story short, basically started saying I'm gonna, you know, go on a lot of these trips and and see what all of these, you know, off-road vehicles can do. And and I love the passion of the community and. And uh, we've both been gearheads for so long. And mm -hmm. I said, gosh, you know, I wonder if there's a way that I can really make this my life, make this my passion, make this into an actual vocation, you know, right. turn this into my life, my full blooded life, instead of just being like, oh, I want to just do my three weeks of the year, or my two weeks of the year. And not that I'm counting, but April 17th and 2018, we collectively decided let's just uh, completely switch gears. That's pun actually intended and um, go Full, full steam ahead and uh, full-time freelance. Excellent. Well, that's fantastic. And, uh, and of course, you are not just here to talk about this today, but one of the things that obviously we're very interested in is that your career has brought you to a place where uh, you got one of the very coveted uh, invites uh, from Sir James uh, Radcliffe to, uh, to come and try out his, uh, his brand new uh, car that, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he hand-builds them in his garage somewhere in, uh, in <laughs> Wales. But... Uh, 
that uh, the, the brand new Ineos Grenadier, you got an opportunity to go to Scotland, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Is that right? And, and drive the actual car, the finished sort of ready-to-go car. Right, right. Yes. So it was an invitation from the actual auto manufacturer themselves. So Ineos mm-hmm. Automotive, mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe himself, although... He didn't pick would... you up at the airport and... Uh, that would be really nope. interesting. I'd love yeah. to meet him someday, but sure. that, yeah. if you're yeah. listening. Right. Um, but uh, but no, actually, it was from Ineos uh, Automotive directly. And mm-hmm. they flew about 140 journalists from all around the globe to mm-hmm. uh to Scotland to uh drive these vehicles or production ready vehicles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and there are, there are two other three different trim levels or additions shall i say right yeah with the grenadiers to drive them on and off road in in Scotland so cool. this was actually the second time that i drove the grenadiers so the first time i actually drove them was the prototype variant and that was mm-hmm. about a year ago around the same time actually but that was yeah. in france and that was their 2b prototypes right. so that was kind of an earlier stage prototype variant and that was mm-hmm. in france and it was strictly off-road because mm-hmm. they weren't legal at that time on right. road they weren't far right. enough in advance i mean they had 3d printed dials on the dash and and they literally yeah. had big huge like you know red emergency buttons where you just you know, smash on the top of in case something happened and, you know, mm-hmm. on the dashboard and things like that. So that's not a standard um, feature. Uh, no, vehicles. no, I didn't. I was looking for the little kill switch or something, but no, yeah, that, that'd be they, nice. they did away with that. But uh, it, now it's you know. a safe word, right? Yeah. Yes. You just, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. So. You're driving along and something bad happens and you're just like zucchini. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Just, exactly. So bubbles, bubbles, you got to say bubbles or something. Yeah. But, yeah. Your buddy um, just turns the ignition off and throws your keys out the window. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it was actually my second time driving um, the English Grenadiers. So it was a different mm-hmm. country. But of course, with Scotland, I mean, they're all right hand drive uh, variants. Yeah. But with me and with my husband, Andy, we're a little bit oddball in the fact that we own right hand drives. Right. But we're in the U.S. where we drive not in the intended side where right-hand right. drives normally drive. So, Although I've experienced Oregon with plenty of people driving on the wrong side of the road with the right side on the car. So it didn't yeah. seem to, it doesn't seem, you know, yeah, it's a free spirit, free spirit. Yeah, free spirit. Exactly. Ike has definitely ended up on the wrong side of an Oregon road with mostly a broken steering box, I think. Uh-oh, that's not good. That, but that's fine. Just throw the anchor out to stop. Um, so here's a question, generally speaking, sort of about the Grenadier, is that, you know, I think a lot of people, when they see the Grenadier, um, the natural question comes out about the Land Rover, uh, the mm-hmm. previous 2016 Sunset Classic Land Rover uh, Defender, right. I guess we're calling it now. And, you know, maybe the next closest being, you know, sort of the same style push DNA and stuff is the Gelendewagen. So right. would you say that this vehicle sort of scratches the itch of someone who maybe wanted to buy that classic 2016 Land Rover Defender, but is also not necessarily someone who is going to go out and buy a Glendewagen because they don't want an S-Class Mercedes interior and all of that sort of stuff. Do you think this kind of scratches the itch of somewhere in the middle of those two? I think it does. I mean, I think the price point really has a lot to do with it. Obviously, right. the Mercedes-Benz is a lot more expensive than what we anticipate the Ineos Grenadier being. Right. Um, obviously, North America, we're going to be getting the Ineos Grenadier a lot later than what they're anticipating already shipping vehicles um, yeah. You know, for Europe or, for instance, yeah. Australia. We've got a good friend of ours that lives in Australia. His literally was built last week. 
Wow. We cool. in North America, and he's been literally emailing me updates yeah. or messaging me updates weekly. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. But yeah, so us in North America, we won't be able to know actual figures on what our pricing will be in the next say, few months or so at least. Um, mm -hmm. And actual units are going to be hitting the shores later in 2023 as mm -hmm. of now. Right. Well, so we won't really know. But as far as that, I mean, you know, 2016 is when, as we all know, or most of us know, um, that uh, Land Rover decided to go in a completely different direction. And the original Land Rover Defender, the old yeah. boxy workhorse utilitarian yeah. that a lot of us know, basically kind of went by the wayside and last month produced. So um, that left an opening uh, into the marketplace for an old workhorse, you know, just more mechanical type of right. a, a vehicle where you can yeah. make it more field fixable. You can right. um, have it on the farm, you can use it on the ranch and you can not have to worry about unibody construction if you're, mm -hmm. you know, off-roading it pretty hard or if you're mm -hmm. needing something that is a little bit more robust and a little bit more rugged. Mm -hmm. um, I think for that fact, you're going to have a lot of vehicle types of people that are going to say, hey, well, I want something that is field fixable. I want something right. that is something uh, that I can not have to worry about this technology bit breaking or going into limp mode or having right. all sorts of other issues or or you know it having a beefy ladder chassis or it right. having you know more suspension travel or more uh, you know opportunities where as now you know it's more luxury and technology yeah which is where the new defender is which is yeah. where Ineos decided to not go so right i definitely right. think that there is market i mean i think Ineos basically told us they said there's four different segments of people that they see wanting to buy at least the first okay. iteration of the Grenadier. Right. So just first, four. Just four. There's just four, four people just four, that right? want to buy it. They yeah. did their market analysis, right? Might be so a problem. We had on one extreme here. Yeah. We've got the off-roaders, right? The right. off-road enthusiasts that love like all of us, right? That yeah. want to accessorize. They want to upgrade. They want to, you know, put lift kits on it, you know, roof racks on it. They want to use it, abuse it, you know, do whatever we can and just basically test the vehicle to its max, right? Yeah. Then we have the lifestylers. We've got mm -hmm. the lifestylers that are just the outdoor enthusiasts. They want to go down. They want to go camping. They want to go to the beach. They, you know, want to use their vehicle off pavement, but they're not the ones that really want to go up, use low range. They don't right. want to, you know, go fjording rivers and do some of those different things that, you know. You On know. the way to the Costco, you're not necessarily going to exactly. hit Exactly. That, yeah. that, that yeah. type of thing or, or yeah. whatnot. And right. then you basically uh, end up having... Uh, let's these corporate entities. Those are the other ones. So they're envisioning like a, a municipal or utility type role for these cars? Yes. Like fleet vehicles? You brought up the fourth one actually was utilitarians. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. So um, farmers, ranchers, people that basically need it as utility workhorse vehicle. Right. So not more for recreation, but more for utility. And then your corporate entities for fleet vehicles is the fourth right. bucket. Your fourth Which obviously Land Rover has more or less gone away. I mean, there is a utility Land Rover in the UK, Defender rather, but, you know, not in the way that you're going to hook a, you know, a boom lift up to it, or you're going to, you know, sort of do something like that. Right. And right. obviously the, certainly the modern G-Wagon, no one has ever done that with it. Mm. Um, the Star no. Push version of the car, maybe. Um, right. But certainly not since it was an army vehicle has anybody used a G-Wagon for like, you know, their utility uh, vehicle. So it's interesting that that they are recognizing that as a segment that is, you know, that's it's not just Ford Rangers or Ford F-150s that people use as fleet vehicles, but that there is a, a use for a, a utility SUV in that market. When I was there in, um, in February of last year, when I was in France, they actually had a two-door commercial prototype that I drove. Um, so they had left-hand drive and right-hand drive uh, variants 
there. And I actually didn't realize that when I was driving, I just hopped in and went and I just didn't even think about it. Because again, I live in Oregon, but I have yeah. left-hand drive and right-hand drive sitting in my driveway. So I just don't right. think about it until right. I use the blinkers and then it's the wipers go up. <laughs> that's right. That's yes, when that's I realized right. that at least yes. living in the US that I know I'm in the wrong car because the yeah. mind thing. Um, yeah. But anyways, so when I was in France, I, I didn't even think about it until all of a sudden I tried to hop in the one thinking it was they're all left-hand drive and one of them was right-hand drive. That being said is one of them was the commercial variant, but it was only a two-seater. And then it had mm -hmm. like this big cage in the back and it had right. blacked out windows. So there was yeah. metal panel um, on metal the back and it, it just was the commercial variant. Um, so those are available in certain markets. They're not going to be available in this demographic. So not yeah. in North America, right. not in North. but they're not expecting that. They're expecting that mainly in Europe and in yeah. some of the other markets um, because that's, that's cool. where they're targeting those more fleet companies. So. And any any word on whether they'll do a two door version of that utility car, or it's always going to be the four door chassis, and and they'll just black the you know they'll just blank out windows and things like Land Rover. That's does a good day. question. That was a question that I had that <laughs> I don't know if they really had the answer for me for. Right. Um, right. I know that they are coming out with a longer wheelbase Grenadier. Mm -hmm. They didn't really say any more uh, as far as the estimated arrival or estimated you know release date so of that. I know that they're going to have a truck. Yes, I love a truck. Oh, man. Um, I was able to get some information out of them um, right. as of, let's see, it's a month ago uh, about that I was over there. So it's just finishing up. We're over in Sweden right now, somewhere testing, cold weather testing. Um, mm -hmm. When I was over there a month ago, I just, uh, let's see, I think it was the 22nd of January, I wrapped up that trip. So they had said in a couple of weeks they were going to go and in Sweden to go testing. So I assume that means like right now. And there is a smaller EV, full EV that they uh, have or that they're designing. Right. I don't know what that means. I'm assuming that's going to be four doors. I don't know. Um, right. They are also working on a hydrogen uh, power plant too. Sure. So that, um, makes sense. that yeah. is because obviously Ineos Group, the, um, the overarching entity yeah. of the 36 uh, subsidiary businesses that, that, yeah. That Sir Jim Ratcliffe is part of, or the, the owner of, or yeah. I should say yeah. the founder, or the CEO part of, they make a lot of hydrogen because they're a chemicals, oil, right. and um, energy conglomeration. And so they right. make a lot of hydrogen. So obviously they would be very well invested in making something yeah. that produces or that uses hydrogen. Uses proprietary Ineos fuel. <laughs> well, it would be it would be fuel that they would be able to generate and use. So right. cool right. system. Right. So yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think hydrogen is an interesting fuel for like a a you know a, a maybe a little more adventure oriented vehicle because there is a world, although not as easy as a jerry can of gasoline, there is a world where you can carry surplus fuel with the vehicle not in the main tank, which right. I think is interesting. That's obviously something you can't do uh, with batteries. Obviously, you can carry solar with you and you can right. charge those batteries. But you know, it's interesting to think about the fast fueling and some of the extended range that you would get out of a out of a hydrogen uh, uh, sort of off-roader. I think right. that's really that's really fascinating. So on the topic of this sort of, I guess, more the uh, lifestyle segment, what what's your feeling? Do you feel like this vehicle is going to take a bite out of the current Land Rover Defender, maybe a little bit of the Glendevogan and some of those, um, you know, vehicles? Certainly the G-Wagon is meant to look like, uh, you know, a, a tough sort of off-roader it's it sort of underneath right. isn't really anymore but uh you know certainly has some of those styling elements do you think that there's people that would say oh no i'm gonna have a grenadier instead because 
you know, whatever. Do you think it's going to take it's going to take some market share there? I think it will for sure. And the reason why it's multifolded answer. I think that you're going to have a part of the market share of people that want the latest, greatest, something different. Right. And they won't care how yeah. much it is. They're going mm-hmm. to say, yep, I want it. It's different. I don't care. Anybody else. It's just going to be something new. Nobody else has got it. I got to have it. Right. There is right. going to be another group of people that say, oh, okay. So I looked at the statistics. It's kind of Wrangler-ish. It's got some better features. It's got some not so great features, but it's mm-hmm. got low range. It's got this, right. it's got that. It's got, you know, some of these other things. It's got what the Defender used to have, but mm-hmm. it's got mm-hmm. some of the things that Mercedes has, obviously, but it's for a yeah. fraction of the price, right. but it has some of the things that the Bronco has. Well, right. hmm, could it be a Bronco fighter and a Wrangler fighter? Yeah, of course. So, yeah. but it's a lot more of a boutique manufacturer. So right. they're expecting that they're going to be selling maybe around 30,000 units. Well, yeah. I think, I think, gosh, what was it last year? I want to say Jeep produced with a Wrangler Rubicon. I want to say maybe 200,000. Like 100 million. I mean, everywhere you go. Well, yeah, it's just like, like, I mean, it's you're just surrounded by a Jeep pickup truck everywhere you go now. It's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's the JT's like, you know, the, the state bird of, you know, yes, California exactly. seems like. But Exactly. Um, yes, exactly. But I mean, rightfully so. I mean, it, you know, Jeep has honed its, I mean, they're the king. They're one of the yeah. kings. I shouldn't say no question. king, but I mean, yeah. it's like they're, they're the king of off-road for a reason. I mean, sure. they've. Yeah. They've had that opportunity to hone. I mean, they've been in existence for over 80 years now. I've written extensively yeah. about Jeep. I've yeah. rallied Jeep. I've yeah. I've driven tons of different Jeeps. I've, you know, off-roaded Jeeps mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean they still can't make a frame that doesn't break. They're they're but them. you know, I mean, yeah. you raise a good point. Jeep, of course, has issues as far as some of its reliability things. You know, we we all know that. We've seen that. Um, but there's yeah. also Land Rover too. Land Rover has had some issues. We've got some diehard off-roading friends of ours up in Canada, for instance. They Mm -hmm. love their Land Rovers. They've had their Land Mm -hmm. Rovers for years. They've had Mm -hmm. nothing but nonstop issues. But they still yeah, that's, love them. That's still Land Rover owner. You're that's, describing Land Rover ownership. Yeah. Well, that's why they buy. Right. Right. I mean, but and and who who knows what's going to happen with Ineos? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, their biggest thing is they have a very robust warranty. Um, I that was oh, that's actually another question that I um asked them and I haven't gotten mm. back yet regarding the North American market. Right. I do have information. Um, it's a pretty uh, comprehensive. Excuse me warranty bit of um, information that I have based on other markets, but it's not right. yet for North American market North because America. we're still too far out. So I right. don't want to share that information because it's not applicable to us yet yeah. because we're too far out to be able to receive it. Will they have a dealer network here? Is that the plan to sell through a dealer? Not like Tesla, where it will be 100% online with right. like five dealers across the country, but like a a, a dedicated you know, it will it will it look like a like a 1980 ski chalet of uh, you know circa 1990s Land Rover dealerships? It's no, they will have a dealer network. Um, their mm-hmm. their biggest thing is they want to make sure that there is a comprehensive enough dealer network that is mm-hmm. close enough for people to be able to not have to drive hours and hours to get to one right. if, if they need to be serviced, right? right? Or if they break something in the field because they're off roading it, or if they're doing whatever they're doing, and then all of a sudden something happens, right? Um, it's been a while since I've been updated on that bit of news, so I don't have the latest and greatest to share with it. But yes, they are. Um, the The last that I heard is they're partnering with Bosch. Don't quote me on mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I know that they are working on that. And I know one of the things too, again, this is a little bit ago, the information that I have received is one of the things when you're an owner is you ha- will have a robust program. And I'm not sure how that's going to work with computers. But it's like mm-hmm. 3D exploded diagrams of all oh, of the cool. um, parts that you'll have and yeah. exploded with all the information so that you can cool. literally see 
oh, hey, it's this part I need or that part I need. And right. then you'll have it and then you'll be able to understand exactly what it is that you need. And oh, that's cool. It. And so for me, I'm again, coming from interior design, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm a two-dimensional drafter, right? So mm -hmm. I, you know, CAD draft, mm -hmm. so computer-aided mm -hmm. drafting. But to see that, to have them think of that way to go, okay, let's support our owners. Let's find a way to be able to do that. And for them as a brand new automotive manufacturer, they might, even though they have a lot of top tier people from other manufacturers, which brings in a lot of expertise, they're still a brand new manufacturer. And I mean that both as a pro and a cons thing, because it goes both right. ways. Yeah. But some of the things is, is, is they may have some ideas that other established manufacturers might go, well, you know, we can't do that. We can't. Right, do that. Right, and maybe right. they might go, well, yeah, we can. Why not? Right, right. Which will push the market, hopefully in a better spot for other OEs to go, okay, well, maybe we should. They're doing it. Right. right. Well, look at what you Tesla know? has done with, uh, you know, a company like Ford and pushed their electric vehicle program mm -hmm. to be more like uh, Tesla um, because they kind of have to, because I think they have sort of redefined what it means to purchase and what it means to be continually updating and right. what it means to feature enhance a car after it's been purchased, right? I, I think right. It's, it's interesting. And I love the fact that they're leaning into the sort of right to repair world of why somebody might be interested in buying the car, you know, right. is because they do want to be able to get into a situation where, you know, they may have to field repair it. And field repair now is different than it was in the 1950s. You know, we don't have oh, yeah. a double-ended spanner. We have a computer with us. We have, you know, oh, and so I, I, it's just really cool. That's really interesting. Well, and I think for me, one of the things that caught my eye, well, there there are multiple things that caught my eye about the Ineos Grenadier. Um, I very first, actually, it was maybe two years ago or around two years ago, um, I flew down to Texas from Oregon for mm -hmm. only a few hour long meeting. It sounds crazy, but I'm certifiably so. I flew down for a couple hour meeting to um, with the company and their agency to understand what this vehicle is all about. The very first ever prototype that was made, the very first Grenadier that was ever made was actually landed um, in Houston, Texas the day before. So they had that at this meeting. They had It was basically an exterior shell. It ran. Mm -hmm. It had a steering wheel. It really had nothing else. I mean, you could. they had the doors. They let me look inside. It basically had nothing else, but like a bunch of wires but yeah. the exterior was there and you'll see it in some of the articles I have with either Forbes or Tread or, or you know, Gear Junkie, whatnot. But what they did is they they talked to a, a small group of media and they said, hey, this is who we are. This mm -hmm. is what our intention is. And then I started doing some more digging. And, and one of the things that they said is we're a company that wants to stay as mechanically inclined as possible and only use technology wherever it's absolutely necessary. And I thought, well, that's right. really interesting. Yeah. Coming from a world where we have the 90s 4x4 sitting outside Mitsubishi Pajeros and Adelica sitting outside where, you know, we don't even have ABS. <laughs> and we, right. we we have like right. one ECU that like is this little brain box. We, you know, we already had to find one some like, I don't know, Lebanon or something. <laughs> because one of, our, one of ours died and we only could find one like in the whole world to replace ours with. Um, mm -hmm. That would be a story better suited with my husband to tell. So long story short is they wanted to have their vehicles be as easily fixable as possible, even though we're literally in 2023 now. And I thought, well, that's kind of refreshing because coming yeah. from, you know, having vehicles like that. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, do we have, you know, automatic up down windows? Well, you know, in Mitsubishi's during this time, you know, yes, we have that. I mean, but that was a mm. very forward feature at that time. But we don't have a lot of the amenities that newer cars have. 
But God, right. think about the ECUs. Think about all the brains. Think about all the stuff, this and that. We've been off-road where there have been, you know, this manufacturer will, will remain nameless, but where we've had manufacturers' vehicles, you know, that was a fully customized vehicle. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's something going complete limp mode. Multiple yeah. times, different yeah. manufacturers. For and sure. all of a sudden, you're like, well, shoot, I can't. What am I going to do? I can't even get right. it off the trail. I can't. Yeah, right. I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do that because you can't even fix it because it's it's all of a sudden dead because it's right. five miles an hour because you can't think it. Or you can't fix it. You can't do anything yeah. with it because yeah, if it can go five, crazy. why can't it go twenty five? <laughs> well, that brings up a good point, right? It's, like uh, this this vehicle. I think for all intents and purposes is a backwards looking vehicle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from a technological perspective. It, it harkens to an earlier era, right? Like there's some sort of nostalgia here that they're incorporating okay. into this car, right? Not only does it look like a vehicle that's no longer in production, right? It, it has uh, most of the uh, technological refinement of a vehicle from the mid nineties. Yeah. I would say, you know, it, it uses the ladder chassis, degree. it uses the solid axles, it uses, right, you know, right. all yeah, these yeah. sorts of things. Right. But, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're trying to build a car that I'm assuming they want to, you know, make into a successful brand and sell more right. of these cars. Uh, is, is there some feature of the Grenadier that it has that other manufacturers don't have that you think that like, this is, this is uh, really interesting or... This is really forward thinking. You're laughing. Okay, so well, the the one thing that came to mind, just totally that shouldn't come to mind, but it saved it saved my ass on the trail, which okay. is totally not the thing that you would normally think. It has a really cool little toot horn. Oh Ooh. yeah, the bicycle <laughs> horn. It has toot. It is and says toot. It yeah. says yeah. okay, which is like which you'd be like, what you you know you'd probably think it would be like this you know self revolutionizing crazy whatever to save you. From hanging mm-hmm. off a cliff kind of a thing or whatever but yeah. we'll get into that part in a second because it does have opportunities for a front you know integrated winch and like even a removable re- uh, rear winch opportunity but but anyways so one of the things that we did in scotland is you know we were driving in the highlands right we did a fair bit of off-road driving which i really appreciated because i really i mean that's my main jam right is test these vehicles off-road and see what they do and um, we were the first international wave of several waves to go to come in. So they had the first local waves, right. the UK waves yeah. and the you yeah. know, more local waves. And of course, you know, temperatures are totally plummeted and it snowed yeah. before yeah. we got there. So we didn't have a chance to do any ice or uh, water wading. And, you know, the really, you know, yeah. they had a, a lake that they had some of the other previous waves uh, wade through because there was too much ice that formed and everything that was pretty much where we wanted to go was like ice encrusted and snow encrusted and got really slippery. And, and there was a lot of challenge with what we drove. Right. Um, and so we were on some more flatter areas, um, beautiful scenic areas. And we we're getting into some of the hills and the highlands. And there was a huge herd of stag. There were probably maybe a dozen grenadiers. And mm-hmm. we're towards the TLN. And there was a pack of, I mean, I saw the whole herd come down and I was driving. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story very short, um, uh, there was probably, I don't know, 50, 60 of the, the stag that came down. One of them came back up the gully and came all the way back up and basically stood towards my direction and didn't want to let me go. <laughs> and there was a fellow journalist, a Canadian that was in the passenger side. My dude's right-hand drive. I'm sitting yeah. there. Yeah. And there was, I think at the time, was the head of engineering from Enio sitting in the back seat. Oh. And I was like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> and so like, I'm 
fucking stare. I'm like having a stare off right now with a Scottish stag and I don't know what to do. I'm like, he's like 20 feet away from me and I don't want to get gored with the stag. Yeah. So after about what seemed to be like endless moments of time, uh, which probably was like one minute and 29 seconds, we radioed ahead. We said, hey, we're a little bit delayed. There's a, a stag that was getting a little bit uh, not happy because its ears were flipping back and you could tell it was like not like happy. Agitated. Happy. Yeah, it was agitated. You could tell it was just not happy. Um, they're like, use a toot horn. You, you sure? Use the toot horn. Okay. Uh, poop, poop. And I, poop, <laughs> poop, poop. Like, I didn't lay on it because it's just like a, you know, just a whatever. Sure. And then I just kind of peered back and then just, and then I just kind of started prancing a little bit. Oh, sweet Jesus. He's moving. He's moving. And then, and then just, I have it on video on my Facebook page. And then, but I like stopped and looked <laughs> and then he took off. I was like, that's the look. So and I was in say, the release model, will it still be labeled toot? I, that, uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, it was production ready uh, that I drove. So, and it said two. It's my favorite. You know, I, I like that. I like that it has a happy horn. I like that it has happy headlights. Like, yeah, I like yeah, that they're yeah, yeah. gearing it towards a more utility market and more, you know, useful market instead of just lifestyle folks. Yeah. Instead of just angry horns and angry headlights. Like, so many cars have angry headlights. Like, yeah, why? Yeah. It's just oh, like, yeah, why does every car have to be so aggressive? Like, I like that this car is not, it, you know, it's it's actually more aggressive. It has, you know, locking oh, yeah. differentials and like yeah, yeah. all these great, you right. know, utility features. But it doesn't like, it's not so like in your face. I'm aggressive. Like, I like that aspect of this car. It it, def it has a learning curve. Um, So there's, there's a lot to know about the off-road features and mm -hmm. um, they have built in some safety features so that you can't just like, you know, push like a lot of the off-road features are up on the ceiling mounted um, right. panel. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can't just like hit off-road mode and then go and drive. So you have to hit and hold it for a second mm -hmm. and then let it go. And I believe then you hit it a, a second time to ensure that that's exactly what you wanted. And I think what they wanted to make sure is that you didn't accidentally hit it and then take off again, because it turns off things like, you know, this safety belt reminders, like, you know, it, or in like some of these other features, it, it, it disables certain things sure. um, or like wait, like deep water waiting mode too. And like, yeah. you know, there's hill descent and then there's, um, you know, certain other features up there too. And then the lockers too, if you get the optional front and rear lockers, those are up there as well. Right. So it builds in those types of things so that you have those precautionary measures. So you're not like, okay, let's just push this. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't want to do that. And then something happens or you're like driving on the street and something happens. So, something so you, you know, people that want to use those features and have those and, and order those, those features on their Ineos Grenadiers need to make sure to use them before and get comfortable using them before um, they, you know, just so that they are aware, oh, this is what you need to do. These are the sequences that you need and how you need to use them before you actually mm -hmm. use them. I so see. It took a little bit for us and it was it was nice to have either a, a professional driver in the vehicle or an Ineos employee in the vehicle to help sure. guide us through that. Um, because I mean, yeah, I, I knew what front, you know, oh, okay, here's a locker symbol, here's a locker symbol, but there is definitely a sequence and how to use some of these things. Right. Just even, you know, there's a, a center um, diff lock that you can use that's, man that's a manual, like, you know, on the actual lever itself to engage mm. in it. Mm -hmm. um, so whereas the front and rear locker is is electronic, um, but the actual center is manual, right? Um, but still, right. it's like, okay, you have to just kind of mess with it a little bit and get the cadence of where the gate is so you can, right. you know, get it and engaged get it correctly yeah. because it's, it's kind of like a Jeep, right? You have to kind of, you know, mm -hmm. 
just, I don't want to say manhandle. You have to just kind of handle it and just right. woman yeah. handle it and just get it in there. Well, that's part of the visceral like fun of it, right? Is like you pull the levers and flipping switches and yeah. Yeah, that's just with a manual control, like meshing the gears, you know, these mm -hmm. sorts of things. It's not just right. pushing a button, having a vacuum switch, you know, mm -hmm. move some, you know, shift rail or something. But that brings up uh, something, you know, how do the controls feel? Does it feel, uh, does it feel gimmicky? Does it feel, um, you know, it's quite a bit different than what we're used to seeing in most modern production vehicles where everything is controlled by a screen, you know? Right, <laughs> it seems right. like it's mostly switches and dials in this car. Yeah. So, it feels I mean, a lot like a sharper image world band radio. Like uh, I really feel like we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. It does look like that. It was like a prize you'd get when you win the Carmen San Diego game show or something, you know, like it's right. lots of switchy flippies and lots of dialy dialies. And so, uh, I appreciate the fact that um, there are a lot of knobs. There are a lot of um, switches and things like that. So the, the biggest thing for me is I love Chevy. Right, but mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm, just at mm -hmm. the 2023 Colorado um, launch um, for mm -hmm. the new for the new different vehicles um, and yeah. the trim levels. But the ZR2 is yet to be launched. Neither journalist that was for a different publication myself we couldn't figure out how, how the hell do you turn lights mm -hmm. on. How the hell do you turn lights on? It was like right. it was down in, in near San Diego, and it was just raining buckets. It was dark. It was crap. It was just whatever. We didn't we didn't want to ask Chevy like how do you turn the you know how do you yeah. turn the headlights yeah. on? Yeah. You shouldn't have to though. Yeah, when they're fight. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right, right? <laughs> should be obvious. Out. Come to find like out, like it should, please. it should either like have a knob, a feet. Uh, yeah, but it should, it should be like all the previous generations of Chevy, at least to to some extent. It should draw on yeah, that it should design. Be organic. It's something. Yeah. It's buried in the infotainment system. Oh, uh, brutal. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So what I'm trying to say with that is, thankfully, with Ineos, is they have a lot of things with knobs and, and turn dials right. and buttons. Right. And they spaced out enough. They thought enough about it, even though it looks like an airplane cockpit, which I it appreciate. Does, yeah. um, like a Lancaster they, bomber. Yeah, right, right. But they have it so that if you're wearing winching gloves, right, yeah. or if you're wearing, you know, if it's cold or whatnot, you can still use them, right? right. Stealing mounted. You're supposed or... to use your driving gloves when you're driving, your winching gloves when you're winching, and your fueling gloves when you're fueling. <laughs> well, fueling. I, I know this because my British friend has all three in his car at all times. If he's that organized, then yes, more power to him. Like we... He's just British. That's just how it is. Yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah, they're 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 issued with the car uh, by the uh, by the double A. Well, yeah. So I mean, so they definitely are a lot more tactile with that. Right. Um, they True. were proud in the fact that they said, I think it was no more than three or four menus deep is where everything is. Mm -hmm. So the infotainment and I have, if you look at crankshaft culture on Instagram mm -hmm. or on Facebook or whatnot, I have several reels that I posted. So if you look at any of the Ineos reels and I have a, an extensive, uh, highlights where I saved a lot of my stories at, you'll be able to see, I actually went through and I messed with a lot of those things. And I asked the engineers and I went through and said, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you mess with right. this? How do you, you know, right. all those little isms that a lot of other people might not think of. I did. So mm -hmm. I went, so I literally, so you can see how those things work or just, right. just a quick drive by or fly by of it. So right. I wanted to know, I'm like, I hit hit record right i just go through it yeah definitely the insta there's some wonderful photos on your instagram and then uh, you Thank know the you. two articles that are out right now both fantastic one that that offers a look at the uh, little tiny half door on the back of the uh of the uh, grenadier which i didn't realize opened independently without having to open the other one which is kind of interesting so you can put little skinny things in i guess yeah so, so yeah it's got a, a 30 70 i think it is or a 60 40 type split door 
Um, I like that design to some degree. I have mm-hmm. some comments about um, that that design that I think needs to be refined, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, is a split door, right? So kind of like where you have sure. like, the folding seats, right? You've got like a yeah. forty sixty type of thing. It's yeah. the same type of thing. But they're swing doors, right? So it's not right. like a lift gate type of thing. It's like a swing door type of thing. Mm-hmm. Some people call them ambulance doors. So they, they oh, open yeah, the right. vertical hinges. Exactly, right. So yeah, vertical yeah. hinges, ambulance doors, swing doors. Yeah. So all of the testers that I've ever seen have had the ladder on them. I think it is an optional roof access ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But all of the ones that I've seen have had the ladder. And then the spare tire carrier. Mm-hmm. So there is like a, a push, like an actual on the, the roof ladder side. So the skinny door, as we call mm-hmm. it. There is mm-hmm. a push ladder or a push uh, door handle that you open, right? So that you can get into the small side door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there is the actual other door. There is no way to be able to pull that open easily. So mm. you can either pull it open by like the the door spare tire or something like that or whatever. Oh but there isn't a way to close that big door at all. There isn't an interior grab handle. There isn't anything else. So you know how there's that little metal U channel thing that's built into the door to like- Yeah, to yeah, to catch the other door, yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to touch my hand on paint, right? Because if you're if you're off-roading, obviously, you're going to etch the yeah. paint because yeah. if you have your fingerprints, yeah. your little freaking prints there. Yeah. Not, we drive our cars off-road, right? But I don't right. want to get, I don't want to etch my fingerprints in paint or, or sure. whatnot. Or you have to close, so you have to either close it by the paint or you have to close it by the spare tire. Well, <laughs> Yeah, because there's yeah. no other way to be able to close it. So right. You can't close the the big rear door with mm-hmm. anything else. There's it's nothing there. What would be a good example of another vehicle that has a similar configuration, not necessarily the split rear door, but it has the latch or handle that you used to close it that you would prefer? Our Pajeros have a single pull, like a single you know uh, vertical hinge door that you pull open, but it right. has just a, a, a you know handle right that you just literally okay. pull it shut from the interior but then you know it just has it so it has like it says pajero above the license plate and then you just you know yeah. open it this way and then you pull it open that way so like it's a, a like a classic it. discovery uh would have had a discovery one or two had that same, right they've got a beautiful the they, they like literally have a beautiful like you know uh blank area of plastic that you literally just i mean literally i'm just saying just it's like drill it. right in drill two mounts and then just put your little Sounds like an aftermarket accessory waiting to happen. That's what yeah. there you well, go. I mean, you there's a couple of there's a couple of other little isms. And again, I'm just nitpicking, but for me, just a couple things. But again, realize it's a very first automotive manufacturer, right. a very yeah. first ever yeah. vehicle. So I'm just being harsh again because my design career, I noticed mm-hmm. little tiny things mm-hmm. that a lot of people might not notice. And for me, a lot of it is usability. Materials right. and the way things um function. And usability are huge for me. A um, couple of the other things: these seat belts are not adjustable. Oh no! I'm I short, <laughs> and yep. so they're up here. So definitely yep. up here. So mm-hmm. by the time I was done, thankfully I had my my puffy jacket on. But I mean, otherwise mm-hmm. it's it's the same with all the other vehicles. If there mm-hmm. is another vehicle that I'm I'm off roading in, it's just constant. Like right here, there's rash yep. right here because yep. this is clearly a Land Rover based vehicle. Yeah, could be. There's no ergonomic adjustment in my Land Rover. Can't get comfortable inside of it. Yeah, that's ah. a good. That's well, a hallmark I mean, of a good Land Rover. So again, a little fix, but you could end up yeah. getting like a little seat belt. Um, one of those little cushion things with the Velcro yeah. that you could just put yeah. on there, and then just sure. you've got your little cushion yeah. thing. But I mean, so some of those little types of things, again, are just very minor things 
one of the bigger, two bigger things actually that I noticed um, might be a little bit more difficult to solve. One of them would be easier as a technological upgrade. Um, when you sit in the vehicle, it would probably be on either side. So left-hand drive mm -hmm. or right-hand drive. Mind you, we're driving right-hand drives. Um, I'm again, shorter. So I don't know how it would be with somebody that has a longer torso than me mm -hmm. um, or taller torso. Um, if you have the ladder, the access ladder on one side of the yeah. window, then you have the other window, right? Cause it's split doors. So you have the pillars in the back and the corners. Then you have the spare tire. There's not much room to be able to see out that rear. So I drove the pavement a lot in the dark going mm. back and that rear was almost useless. Almost useless. Yeah. And they don't have a top-mounted camera like some no, of the newer SUVs that's do. That's exactly what I told them. I said, you know yeah. what? I said, yeah. what would be a really good option is to be able to have an upgrade option. Mind you, they right. don't. They want to stay mechanical wherever they can and right. technological only when necessary. But right. to have for those that want it, yeah. why can't they do like a, a camera that is free and clear that's up at the top, yes. you know, top mount yeah, they, yeah, so top they rear. can go beyond the the ladder, beyond the spare mm -hmm. tire and have mm -hmm. a free clear and just yeah. do one of those like rear view digital um, right. rear view cameras. Yeah. yeah, the new Defender has that because Land Rover has accepted the fact that they put all these plastic things all over the outside of it and dumb shit that you don't can't need. See yeah, you can't. They've made it impossible to see out of the car at all, yeah. mm -hmm. and so they parked a camera up on the roof because of the, it is optional, though. So you can still choose to not see out of the back oh, of the car. Rearward visibility in newer cars is complete afterthought. Like you can't, you can't see out of most new cars at all. As my mother-in-law is famous for saying, "What is behind us does not matter." So <laughs> it's behind us now. It's in the past. Who cares? For, for me, I, I'm sitting here. I'm just. I have that video and I actually, you know what I did post it as one of the last, maybe the second to last reel. It, it, it's pretty comical. If you guys haven't seen it yet, go to Crankshaft Culture and, and go look on Instagram. It's it's probably the last couple of posts, um, uh, reels that I did. I was testing out the hill descent control. Mm -hmm. Mind you, we have anything, literally everything that we've ever owned that are four by fours. Wait, did anything have? Anti-lock brakes. I don't even think that anything had anti-lock right. brakes, much less yeah. anything else, right? So no hill descent control, no yeah. nothing, no none of that fancy stuff. None yeah. of us mo like modes. What modes? I mean, yeah. no, 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 low range and first gear is low, yeah, low range first gear. Yeah. Like all yeah. of them are stick shifts too, right? So yeah, yeah. everything's manual transmission. So literally everything is analog driving. You can't mm -hmm. get more analog than what Andy and I drive. Mm -hmm. I did hill descent control. And mm -hmm. I tested it in the Enyos first mm -hmm. down this mm -hmm. really gnarly, crazy, they called it the ski hill. And mm -hmm. we finished and it was actually a pretty like gnarly, very loose, very off camber. It was like wetter than crazy outside and um, a lot of shale rock and boulders and mm -hmm. clay. And I mean, mm -hmm. it was pretty interesting. Yeah. I did it a second time full like well manual but like yeah sure yeah you know manual but i no stick shift right because there's no stick shift i mean i but i told them that's the other strike i'm like oh it wouldn't it be no great yeah. come on guys uh, give me a manual but there's no manual mm -hmm, yeah. but anyway still you know that's bmw terrible. you know bmw uh, engine but anyways yeah. uh, and zf transmission but but i digress um so anyways then i did the second one and is as manual of a mode as you can well god what a difference um but considering the fact that it's huge i literally yeah. have a Pajero that is stick shifts and Hail Marys. Normally yeah. it was yeah. eye opening the difference. It yeah. was it was yeah. really quite interesting. It was stunning. Um yeah, but those yeah, are pretty that. entertaining if you want to see those. Um yeah. So bottom line, are you impressed with this vehicle? I yeah. am. I am. 
I think that they've got some quirks that they need to work out. But I think all in all, from a first-time manufacturer, from a first-time vehicle, um, I really think that this is something, I think that the Ineos Grenadier is going to make some waves. Um, I think that North America is going to take a look. I think that they're going to be some early adopters for sure. I think that the wave is going to increase. And I think that there's going to be some go-getters that as people are going to start seeing it and start, you know, talking about the vehicle and start realizing its capability that they're going to be like, oh, okay, we need to really consider this. And uh, they're going to increase. And I think North America is going to be a lot more popular than, you know, what they're even expecting. And by reservation rights, they've really been pleased with North America. There have been so many people crying for this vehicle from Land Rover for so long. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, and, you know, what's interesting is... The UK, Europe, and Australia are the top markets, and then North America. And North America is the crown jewel. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's the thing is they they basically said North America is kind of behind those other three, right? Those other three markets, but they were basically saying or hinting at that North America is going to be like I don't want to say the upcomer yeah. and just to kind of take those off or pick them off, but I really think that they're gonna they're gonna be watching. They'll be watching this market very closely, and I think that. They're going to be seeing some mega waves here. Seeing as you've you've done the Rebel three times and everything from an ID4 Volkswagen to uh, to a Jeep Rubicon, uh, four by E Jeep Rubicon, uh, to say the least. Which were all recalled, by the way. They've all been recalled. Would you rebel in a Grenadier? I think that's the ultimate question. Would you take one on the Rebel? Why not? Yeah. Let me have it. I've already off-roaded in Scotland. If Sir James Redcliffe is is listening, there there you go. <laughs> They're the official factory team, uh, ready to go. Mercedes is ready to uh, to make jump it work. In there. I've got I've got a good amount of seat time behind it already. Let's make it well, happen. There you go. You're ready to go. Well, before <laughs> we 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 invite uh, we invite your husband into to probably do what will be a a Patreon special on the uh, Pajero. Um, Ike, uh, if you've ever listened to the show. Uh, has uh, has uh, put together what is known to the industry as the world's most difficult lightning round questions. Oh. They're deeply personal. Uh, they are, uh, you know, inappropriate for almost any audience or banned in five states. Um, but at oh. this point, I will hand it over to Ike for the world famous uh, lightning round questions. All right. So if you haven't listened to the show, this is uh, short questions with quick, short answers. And uh, it's going to test your your knowledge of, uh, well, maybe not your knowledge, but your preference. How about that? Yeah. Of uh, four-wheel drive vehicles. Are you are you ready for this? All right. As ready as I'll ever be. Make it happen. All right. We'll, we'll see how you do. All right. You ready? You're making me nervous. Gas or diesel? Oh, diesel. Well, and gas. Well, it depends. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Which one, one vehicle? Answer. One answer. Diesel. Gas or diesel? Diesel. I love it. That's the correct answer, by the way. <laughs> Coil or leaf springs? Oh, coil. Oh, These are hard. Hard one. Yeah, it's hard. That's it's a hard. hard one. Coil, that is both right and wrong. Yeah, uh, that's a hard one. All right, three. Magic mushroom or cella green? Oh, God. Magic mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> Soft top or hard top? Oh, hard. Interesting. Yeah. Old choice. There's reasons behind that. The, I, hopefully there's reasons behind all of these. <laughs> Four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive? We own both. Both. No. If I have to pick four, but both. Okay. You have okay. to pick four. four wheel drive. All right. And then how do you get used motor oil out of your underpants? Throw them away. No. Okay. Recycle yeah. them. Oh. <laughs> no conclusive questions answered there. Oh, man. 
This was tough. This was tough for you, isn't it? This was a hard one. This was a hard one. That's a really just despite that, you got all six correct. So you got all six correct. That is a perfect, perfect score. I don't perfect know what the wrong way well I could just say we could turn them into rags, but nobody wants to use underwear as like a rag. That's just not anymore. Like, it was very popular in the eighties though. Oh. We're gonna send you a gift basket for, for winning the lightning round. All right, Mercedes. Well, thank you for your insight on all things Grenadier. We appreciate it. And uh, we hope you'll come back once there's uh, you know, they're out in the market and uh you know, certainly uh, anytime you uh, come across an interesting vehicle, uh, we're happy to uh, happy to chat about it. And of course, so we could do probably 10 more editions uh, on all of the uh, things you've tested and driven and all that. So, uh, right. you know, please come back sometime and uh, and we'll uh, and we'll chat more. And, uh, you know, for those Patreon subscribers, uh, we're going to invite your husband, Andy, in, in a moment and uh, and do a little special feature there. Mercedes, if our uh listeners want to find your articles and find your Instagram, find your social media, where would they do that? The easiest way is to follow us on Crankshaft Culture. That is Crankshaft Culture. That's on all different kinds of social media. And then also crankshaftculture.com, where you can find me via my name, which is a lot longer. It's Mercedes Lilienthal, L-I-L-I-E-N, T-H-A-L, or that is a writer with grit on Twitter. So again, thank you very much for uh, joining us and uh, all, all the best of luck uh, in uh, in the future. And can't wait to uh, to read more about the uh, Grenadier and, uh, and finally see them out in the streets here. Thanks for your time and expertise. Thanks so much for having me on. Multiple articles coming. Um, yeah, lots of stuff coming. So stay tuned. And um, yeah, have me on anytime. Love it. Thank you so much. All right. Right on. All right. Well, we we ran out of time uh, to have Andy join us, but but there may be a secret Patreon special, Andy and Mercedes talking specifically about their Pajeros. Mitsubishi uh, nerds. Oh, man. You know, no no nerdier than a Mitsubishi nerd. That's for sure. I'll tell you what. In fact, Andy was wearing a Mitsubishi hat non-ironically. He was just, that's just what he was wearing today, apparently. So. That's yeah, commitment. Pretty sure he has the Mitsubishi underwear on too. Absolutely, pretty Mitsubishi sure. uh, tattoo, the small of his back. Mitsubishi maybe. tramp stamp. Yeah, maybe, 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 <laughs> definitely. Just wonderful. Just the two of them. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. What a what a fantastic conversation with Mercedes. Just 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 an absolute wealth of information about the Grenadier. I learned a ton about it. I I'm yeah. I, you know, hey, I'm interested. I I really uh, think it's an interesting car that fits into a segment of the market, sort of to Mercedes point that doesn't that there's not a lot there right now. I think it's interesting. I hope it causes other manufacturers. Yeah, to we're going to we're going to see. Is it going to be a replacement for the classic Defender or yeah. is it going to be a new Aveco Massif? <laughs> That's exactly that's a great question. Yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Yeah, is it the car that no one asked for, or is it going to be super? Is it I think be there's popular? a lot more engineering and development that have gone into this car, and I'm I'm hopeful that it's successful. I think there's there's room. Uh, you know, they've made room for it. You know, Land Rover's mm-hmm. moved in a different direction, so uh, we'll hope it uh, we'll hope it goes well for them. And I believe once you're uh, once you're capable of operating all the switches inside, you're halfway to uh, being uh, checked out on a Learjet. So. You know, yeah. you don't have much more, much more distance to go. So, all right. Well, uh, with that, we're coming uh, to the close here. But I would be, uh, I would be in trouble from the uh, Ministry of Social Media if I didn't mention someone I actually forgot to mention last week. We, of course, uh, we uh, called out uh, some great. Is this, uh, this Freelander related? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, this is the Freelander portion of the show. <laughs> uh, we forgot to call out a great Freelander account, uh, Phil the Freelander on Instagram. Another fantastic, not, not. Phil Bashel, coincidentally, 
another fill to Freelander fills hugely hugely into freelanders and a great account another another great uh sort of non-ironic uh, sort of ironic freelander uh, tribute account does some great stuff with uh with their car as well so uh, good friends of the show and uh yeah absolutely another yet another freelander out there in the world not, not north america but another freelander out there in the world uh you know just making its way you know one day one day at a time so it's good stuff yeah. <laughs> are you done that's quality <laughs> quality freelander content that's you know i think there's three people that come to this show for the quality freelander content that we have uh and i don't think either of them are our moms i don't think they either of them particularly care for the freelander so no so, you know no it's all right but, you know, we keep at it. And at, at any rate, that is uh, the show for this week. Again, thank you to uh, Mercedes. Thank you to Andy. Thank you to, uh, you know, everyone uh, who owns a Freelander for uh, tuning in every week. And, uh, hey, if you want to keep the conversation going, why not head over to our uh, Facebook group? There's all kinds of fantastic stuff going on there. It's getting popular There's that crazy, there. not a 101 forward control fire truck uh, yeah. that looks absolutely amazing. It's a Volvo. Um, oh, it's so cool. It's very 101-esque, though. It is super one on one esque, but I'm sure because it's a Volvo, it actually like runs and works properly. Um, but uh, but very cool, very very cool stuff, and uh, and of course uh, you know lots of uh, lots of stuff that uh, you know there's uh, you know. But hey, one more thing: if you want to uh, get to this wonderful Mitsubishi Pajero content, you just have to become a patron. You know, head on over to Patreon and uh, you know dial it up. It's uh, it is uh, what keeps this show coming to you week after week. That and uh, the fact that uh, Ike and I aren't allowed to leave this room uh, that uh, that we're both in court like, mandated. Is where, yeah, it is. It's uh, we've got the ankle bracelets to prove it. Uh, but hey, head on over to the Patreon and uh, check it out because uh, there is all kinds of special stuff in so there. Much good stuff. Uh, not just Mitsubishi content, but uh, but there's also some Land Rover content there. Who would have thought? A little bit. Uh, and uh, yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And we often try out new things there. Um, you you know, there's some, uh, you know, some tasteful nudes of Ike, I'm sure, in there somewhere. There's no um, other kind. There's no. It's true. <laughs> it's only one kind of photo. It's amazing. This is incredibly photogenic, uh, photogenic posterior. But at any rate, it's been a slice, Ike. Thanks for everything. We'll uh, talk to you next week. All right. Looking forward to it. Take care. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svardov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.